0: Welcome to States Up, KTSW's monthly one-on-one with Texas State University President Kelly Danfis. On today's episode, we discuss how the university plans to expand parking and housing access on campus as a record number of students apply to Texas State. And Texas State's common experience will come to an end after this semester. We discuss some of the cost savings behind that decision. Plus, will faculty and staff get raises in the fall? I'm your host, Jill Ament. I'm a faculty advisor for KTSW 89.9 and a lecturer of practice in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication here at Texas State University. And joining me now is Texas State President Kelly Danfis. Thanks again for being here. Jill, it's
1: always fun to be here.
0: Yes. Um, we're,
1: we're back in the studio
0: today. I, yeah. yeah. Well, the weather... I know. I thought about being somewhere out and about, but yeah, when it's...
1: Had to be under a heater somewhere today.
0: Yeah. When it's below... 55. That's it for you? I'm I'm inside as a Texan. It's
1: funny. We're yeah. having uh, students over for dinner tonight, and my, and my wife is like, do you think they'll sit outside? I said, I think it's beautiful out. And she said, it's freezing out. It's like 57 <laughs> degrees. And I was like, okay, whatever you say. A fire pit. <laughs> a or, fire pit would be fire, nice. fire, yeah.
0: you know, any kind of um, chiminea. I'm down with that.
1: It's, but it's all relative.
0: Yeah. Well, um, and it is the first day of spring, so it happy is. spring. Yeah, happy spring. Now, we are also coming, you know, Towards the end of the semester, which is hard to believe. Um, yeah. Post-spring and
1: break. it's know uh, it's a home stretch now. It is. And so it is. All the projects are due for all the students and final papers and get the final exams and graduation next to you know, it's summertime
0: It's a whirlwind. And then we'll be
1: complaining about how hot it is. <sighs> yeah. I will. Maybe you won't. I yeah. will.
0: No, I will. I will. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, you're kind of reflecting about what, you know, this past six months has has what we've kind of where we've been and where we're going again and so um there have been some some pretty significant moves in the past even in the past couple of months um and one of them being you know uh we have talked about record enrollment for freshman class but um we're, we're seeing record applications um we're seeing you know uh Bobcat Day, seeing record number of students there. So tell, about, uh, I, I <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me a little bit about, I guess you've coined it as Momentum. So tell me a little bit about that momentum.
1: Well, the momentum is good. It's always good to have momentum on your side. And and of course, we're on March Madness too, right? So basketball is a game of runs and momentum and so on. When the crowd gets excited, people get excited, the players get excited, they get more successful and so on. But um, we have been on a good roll for the past three or four years in freshman recruiting. And this year is no different. We just continue to become more and more a school of destination or school of choice for high school seniors across the the state but also around the country we've got applications from fifty states students in fifty states right now we currently have about we have students from almost every county in the state of Texas but only five percent of our students are from out of the state so we're ninety five percent Texas here and almost all the counties are, are included but we are now uh, the second most applied to school in the state trailing only texas a and m and so um, what we have to do now is think about how we can manage that growth mm-hmm, we could mm-hmm. we could admit Way more than we could handle, and that would be a problematic for us. And so, what we're trying to do is being is try to be a a little bit more selective. Uh, What What do we think San Marcos can handle? What we think our campus can handle? Um, We actually have a lot of capacity on our campus for classes. We have a lot of classroom space. We have a lot of. We might have to hire more faculty or some more instructors, Um, but we're not nearly maxed out on classroom space. But we are getting maxed out on housing space. And so, we have about sixty eight hundred beds, and last. Fall, we filled every single one of them, plus a couple extras, and um, and we're we're having we're paying attention to that as we go forward. We're actually up some uh, five or six percent on on uh, students who want to live on campus, and so that's going to be a concern for us. What we did so far is uh eliminated housing uh, opportunities for upperclassmen, which we've not done in the past. And so all the housing on campus would just be for freshmen this year, except for RAs for upperclassmen and graduate students. And then try to make more room for them. And then starting off with telling students up front, like, this is a room with three people in it. Last year, we told people who had a room with two beds in it, oh, we're adding a bed to it. And that's really disconcerting. Um, and some of them would have liked to have had two, three beds in there because they would have had two of their buddies stay with them. But then we had to add someone they didn't know, and mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. too late. So what we're doing now is just saying in front, this is three beds. And if we don't need the bed, we can take one out. It's a lot easier to make a triple into a double than make a double into a triple. The space is there, and um, but I... We're we're dealing with that. I'm thinking about more waivers for students to live off-campus as freshmen. Now, we don't like that because we know living on campus has a, such a huge impact on retention and, and student success is one of our highest priorities. Um, but it's things we're looking at. A lot of students would like to live at home to save a few dollars. And uh, if they've got a good living situation, we're fine with that as well. But um, it is... Um, not just undergraduates, though, our graduate student enrollment is going through the roof. We're up 300% in graduate and doctoral in, uh, applications, which is unbelievable, which is perfect for our run to R1. Part of that is we're increasing the stipends for graduate students and we're encouraging our faculty to go recruit students. Uh, we're also recruiting a little bit more internationally. Um, and so for our doctoral programs and our graduate programs overall, um, our international enrollment is up as well. And so everything's like our, on a our great momentum, which is really important for us because our budget is based in three parts. One, what the legislature gives us, mm-hmm. and that's pretty flat over time. We're hoping for an increase this year. Um, but then it's also uh, money we generate through auxiliaries like uh, housing and parking and so on. And then it's uh, tuition, We're really tuition dependent. And the more students we have, the more resources we have, which can then allow us to do what we really want to do, which is affect employee morale. So we know that uh, staff salaries have been stagnant, inflation's gone up, and salaries have stayed relatively flat. New employees are making more than older employees or or, or employees who've been here longer. Um, And so we're we're very aware of that. So as we get more students, we have more revenue, hopefully get more revenue and more uh, appropriations from the state as well. That will allow us to give raises to our employees in the fall which is a huge uh, huge priority for me
0: so you mentioned um you know you mentioned parking and then i have a note here on on some um some funding that's going into a transportation center and so i i know that when um you know when when um schools grow I mean, the the need for parking uh, becomes greater. The need for, you know, upgraded, uh, like the Bobcat tram services. What kind of focus is is being put in those areas right now?
1: Well... As we have more students here, remember our freshman class growing means our sophomore class from last year is growing because our retention numbers are better. So then, our sophomores, juniors, and seniors who live off campus now technically are commuter students, and they need places to park. Now we are nearing capacity on parking. We're not there yet. The biggest problem we have is students not knowing where they can park um, and when they can park at certain areas. I literally—it's so it's one thirty in the afternoon for you and me right now uh, while we're recording this. Right before I came here, I drove through the parking area by the football stadium. And if you park there, we can guarantee you can be sitting in your classroom in 20 minutes because with the bus service we have going back and forth. But the place is, you know, it's about half full on the on the far side of the football stadium. And I think the students don't realize that that's a great opportunity for them to park there. And it is a little bit less, con- in, less convenient because I can't park right in front of their building, which is what we would all love to be able to do. Um, but we're going to have to look at uh, increased, ho- uh, increased housing on campus, but also increased parking on campus. We've got plans for that. We've got... Um, a place we've already designated for a parking garage, we add there. It's, those are expensive. There, That's $40 million to build a parking garage with a 1,000 spaces. But we'll need to do that. We're building, as we build new residence halls, as we bring new academic buildings online in certain places around campus, there's not much parking near where the new building is going to happen. And so we're going to put parking garages over there. So Ingram Hall in that area over there, looking at a parking garage there. And we might look at some other spaces around campus as well, at, in as time allows. It's just you know, it's it's a money factor. Where do we want to spend our money? Right now, my highest priority is uh, employee salaries. Um, but parking is right up there. <laughs> and so when we get money available for that, we'll add to parking when we need it. We're not quite where we need it right now. We want it, but we don't need it yet because we still have lots of parking available.
0: You're listening to States Up. TSW's monthly one-on-one with Texas State President Kelly Dampfis. You'll hear more of our interview with President Danfis after the break. Yeah, I imagine um, space, just the amount of space at the university, the circumference of the university, I mean, I, I don't know, do you see us growing out much more or growing yeah. up much more? I mean, that that's something that I think about, too, in, in regards to, like, the city of St. Marcus as well. Like, what, what do we have to work with?
1: Well, that's a great question. So where does growth happen? So growth can happen two places or three places, I guess. One is on campus. You mentioned growing up so we can build, uh, tear down buildings that are very small and put taller buildings there. Um, and that's an option for us. That's a very expensive option. A you know, brand new academic building costs about $140,000 or $140 million. <laughs> I wish it was $140,000. 140000000 or so for a brand new uh, building. Um, and then you, by the way, when you tear buildings down and build a new building, that means you don't have those buildings for a couple years while you're building. And so uh, it's a bit of a you know, shuffle of the of the blocks. I guess if you're if you're trying to maintain what's going on on the campus, if you're tearing down buildings and building on top of that space, that's difficult. So what we can do, we have some vacant property that's available. We can build up there and then tear down buildings later on. So that, those are that's another option. Uh, we can also buy more property off campus and and move some of our auxiliary operations off campus. So we've got employees. Uh, who right now can work remotely. They can work from their home or wherever they wanna work from. Uh, so some of them will re- be relinquishing their office space on campus that frees up some space there. If we can move whole uh, units into space that we, say we buy, uh, buy an office building downtown, we can move part of our operations down there. And then we've got growth uh, opportunities in Round Rock. And so as we, as we uh, grow our student population and our faculty uh, composition as well, we have to remember we have one hundred and one acres up there we 've got plans for about ten buildings up there and we 've only got three right now and so uh, if we can if we can manage some of our growth to go there to round rock and we 're thinking about ways to do that, um, our faculty are very energized right now about moving. Uh, degree programs up there or mm-hmm. offering complimentary services up there. Uh, we've talked about housing up there as well. That's one of the problems right now. Students are living here and driving back and forth, or they're living with you know, family members in the Round Rock area, or just finding a place to live in Round Rock's pretty tough, a little bit tougher than it is here in San Marcos. Um, but trying to fix all those problems that allow us to grow easily there. We think we can have 10,000 students in Round Rock, for example, and really not grow necessarily the number of students who are here in San Marcos. We still think we can grow the number of students here, but we have a lot of growth potential there.
0: You're also talking about um restructuring um that that has been going on um within various departments. Um what what what's that about and I mean We're not talking about downsizing or anything like that. No,
1: and in fact, that's the message that I'm glad you asked that specific question because I was going to answer it if you didn't ask it. Because I think when you see a lot of changes like this, I think people are nervous about change in general, but they're concerned about change in particular, and that is how it affects me. And if I think that the university is changing to downsize, then I'm at risk of losing my job. And we've every time we've had these conversations, we've and I've except for one case where it didn't, the timing was a little bit off. I've always met with the groups that were being rearranged and said, okay, we're gonna start doing this now, and here's, here's your old boss and here's your new boss, and let them explain why we're doing what we're doing. And then they had the conversations, and so we, we didn't want people to find out by email about what the changes were happening. But just for example, we had um, uh, employees who worked in marketing and employees who worked in university communication. In many places, those are one unit. And both of those units were understaffed independently. We thought if we brought them together, which is, again, benchmarking with other universities, that's what most universities do, we might be able to, um, we certainly weren't going to downsize, but we certainly could relieve some of the workload for some of the people who are doing way too much in one unit, and they could share some of the burden with someone who might not be as heavily burdened in the other unit. And then once we got them together, we can say, okay, now we know we're down a number of employees at the university, uh, and uh, marketing communication is no no different from everybody else. How many more do we need? Before, when we had marketing communication in different places, I was uncomfortable about saying, well, let's give marketing three and communication four, because maybe we can get by with three and Or six total instead of seven, and because we're together, Mm -hmm. because I think there's some a lot of overlap and um, that that can happen, Uh, and it's just more efficient to do that. You don't have two directors; you have one director, you know, and so you have some of the administrative overload, overburden, is removed, and then you've got people who um, you can you can turn the money you might be spending on two directors, only having one director. Uh, You can take that money then and invest in more employees or giving raises to your current employees. And that's happened across the board. There's been, and this is no fault of anybody's, but over time universities tend to kind of get kind of squishy and people are working in in a division that really, if you were going to start over again, they really probably should be in this division instead of this division because the work they're doing is more aligned with what that vice president does than what this vice president does. And so I just, I, I basically unleashed the vice president and said if you could make some changes Mm -hmm. what would you make and and just for example the library was under the vice president for for it and there's lots of reasons for that um you know the library basically is an information you know storage uh program Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's storage and retrieval and so that's a lot of what information technology is you know it does that but in most universities Libraries in academic affairs under the provost because it's it's supporting uh, research a research university especially, and so uh, that came up out of the conversation with the, the members of the cabinet. They said, "Well, you know, maybe we should just move the library from IT over to academic affairs." Now, some people in in the library I'm not going to speak for them, but some people might say, "Who I've been waiting for this forever." Mm-hmm. Uh, others might say, "Oh, I can't believe we're doing this. Uh, I think we belong where we are," and others would. You know, understanding and say, well, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to assuage all those doubts and anxieties by having open, frank conversations with folks to make sure they understand why we're doing it. But most importantly, that no one's job is at risk. What we have right now, we have we don't have enough employees right now. We're certainly not trying to reduce our force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is more be more efficient. So then when we start to rehire fa- uh, employees, staff members in particular. We hire the right number in the right places and we just think this is a great time to do some re- reorganization.
0: I also noticed uh in the restructuring, maybe this is not something that has, you know, uh held a lot of weight in the past couple of years. I know when I was uh undergraduate here at Texas State, we had the common experience. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe I'm just a nerd and I was very interested in the common experience. I read the books and blah, blah, um, But I noticed that that's something that's going to be discontinued yeah. after this year. What's the thinking yeah. behind that?
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple things. Uh, as we think about where we're going to spend our money in the future, uh, we, c- we are very good, universities are very good at just adding stuff and never taking anything away. And so I also asked the vice presidents to say if there's something – we could do less of, that would save us money, that we could reposition that money somewhere else. Not laying people off, by the way. Just a reminder there, not laying people off. But if we could if we could repurpose um, resources and move people around a little bit, what would you stop? And so there's a few things that kind of came up. Not as many as you might hope. Uh, but the common experience was one. And the conversation, now, I'm new here. So I'm, this is, you know, I, I was at a place that had a common experience. And I was at another place that had a common experience in the past, but the conversations I was hearing from people, including students, was what you just said. I love it, and I don't get it. You know, some students just like I don't get it. I'm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I I got this book, I had to read it, but it didn't really make sense to me, and I don't, you know, it's just not my thing. And some students like this was like the best thing ever, and so it wasn't universal, uh, universally appreciated by students. It wasn't universally engaged in the campus as much as we would like to. Uh, common readers and common experiences um, typically are at smaller, kind of liberal arts colleges. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not small anymore, we're pretty large. It's hard to manage all of that. There's a lot of expenses all the way to it too. But I will say that if we had thought, and here I'm talking, I'm speaking on behalf of the vice presidents, if the vice presidents had thought, don't care what it costs, this thing's the best thing since sliced bread, we'd mm-hmm. still be doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think there was enough conversation like what would happen if we didn't do it for a couple of years and if we thought yeah we don't even notice it's gone then we can just move on but in a couple of years if we say ah, remember in the old days we had the common <laughs> experience let's bring that back we could always do that too
0: yeah um so you know this is another big one and you kind of alluded to it um in our in your last answer about you know we don't have um enough employees as it is yeah. and so there's obviously this, this big push for employee morale and yep. we've discussed in the past you know bonuses and working on raises yep. um, what are the updates with that sure. uh, um, that's a great yeah. question
1: i'll answer that every time someone asks me because it's one of like i said one of my highest priorities we have two big priorities student success and research becoming a research institution but the subtext there is we want to also make this a great place to live and to learn and to serve and to you know enjoy your postgraduate experience which is service at a university and we want to make sure that our faculty and our staff feel like they have the resources to be successful in their job but also to be successful as citizens they have to have, make enough money where they can take a vacation or they can put their kids uh, in a camp if they want to in the summertime and so one of the things that has happened over time is that our salaries have become depress- compressed so we haven't had raises that kept up with inflation and we're not unique in this. Uh, you go to any university in Texas and across the country, same kind of thing happens. What tends to happen, especially among the faculty, because they turn over a little bit more, and we, we're recruiting them nationally, is that faculty salaries tend to keep up a little better with inflation because we're we're competing nationally. And so, if someone's interviewing with us, they're also interviewing at a university, another state university in another state, and um, we got to make sure we're offering at a high enough level to get that person to come here. Staff members tend to be recruited locally, and so there's not the same pressure. Again, that's not a Texas State problem, that's just higher education generally. And what happens over time, there's a depression in staff salaries especially, but also in faculty salaries Where people who get hired at the wrong time. Let's say you got hired six years ago when things were terrible. If you'd been hired eight years ago and things were great, you might have got a big raise before six years ago. But mm-hmm. you happen to get hired at the wrong time. And then now you've been here seven years, and now we're hiring again at the new level, and all the new people are coming and making more than you are. And you've been here for six or seven years. You've got tenure, and assistant professors making the same amount as you. We've got to right-size that, and you can't get there overnight. But uh, both for faculty and staff, we've got to do two things. We've got to bring back the uh, we got to get closer to the number of employees we had before COVID. We're down about probably around 150 employees pre-COVID to now. Um, and that was just not replacing people, we weren't laying people off, but just weren't replacing people through attrition. Someone left, we just said, hey, uh, you people left behind, do the work that they were doing. Or just, we're not going to do that work anymore. We want to keep doing that work and we want to relieve the burden for our staff members. The only way to do that is to hire more people in the right places, And that's why we're reorganizing the university, make sure we're hiring the right people in the right place. In addition, What the the double-edged sword here is that the cost of living has been increasing tremendously. And there's a story in the paper about the University of Texas having that same problem. People Mm -hmm. can't afford to Mm -hmm. live there, and faculty are having trouble, and and, uh, students are having trouble finding a place to live there as well. We're a little buffered from that, so the cost of living is a little cheaper here, but it's not cheap. And so we have to come up with ways to to increase our salaries. And so we actually, um, it's two different it's two different problems, faculty salaries and staff salaries. We have to attack both of those. And so what we're doing is hiring a consulting firm who's going to come and do—actually, uh, I think they're already we're already contracting with them—doing an analysis of our salaries right now and then helping us determine how many people we need in certain positions, but also helping us determine how much we need to pay folks. And then we have to figure out, where am I going to get the money to pay them because— if we had the money, we would have paid them a long time ago. Uh, most of what we have right now is one-time money. And so this is basically taking money out of your savings account to pay for things that are recurring over time. Over After a while, your savings account is going to keep going down. So we need to generate more. It's like getting you have to get a side hustle you mm-hmm, want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's why increasing uh, revenue through online enrollment and through international recruiting is something we haven't done a lot of here. Bringing those students in will help us generate more tuition revenue, which will help us hire more staff more faculty uh and to give raises to all those folks as well so uh i'm hesitant to give a number right now Mm -hmm. but we're looking at working very hard and then again a lot of this depends on what the legislature does i've gone and asked for a significant amount of money from from the legislature and if they come through with that extra money then these questions become very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what percent? Five percent? Six percent? Whatever the raise is, um, uh, but I I just don't know where we are, and I won't know where we are until May. And so what I have right, to tell right. people, I just have to remind people, just hang on till May. And I just have to hope they believe that I'm passionate about keeping my eye on this, but making commitment. Here's here's what could happen. I can make a commitment based on what I'm comfortable with right now. So let's say we'll give everyone a one percent raise. And then do all the paperwork, give everyone a 1% raise. And then I get a lot of money in, at, from the legislature. And I go, well, let's come back and give you a 4% raise. Mm-hmm. Well, people will be happy they got a 5% raise. But that's a lot of duplication of effort. And there's people who have to do that work. And they're already over, overwhelmed. And they're understaffed as well. So, um, so we're trying not to duplicate effort by giving people raises now. Because all, all the raises now would be, in effect, in the next fiscal year, anyways, mm-hmm. they wouldn't go into effect till September, and so what we're saying is just hang on to the summer, and then once we know where we are financially, as soon as we can in early summer, we'll let you know where we are. But it's a it's a really top priority for us, replacing the number of stu- uh, employees who have left, and then increasing the salary.
0: We're, we were probably reading the same articles this morning, yeah, but yeah. I also read the article about um, student workers and and. Uh, you know, pay there and I and, and I know that you said staff and employee, that's your number one priority right now, but has there been thought in in um you know uh has there been thought about our uh, our TAs, our grad school TAs, our student workers, um Uh, Our work-study students? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. In fact, um, thank you for reminding me to answer that part of it. When I say employees, I mean student workers as well. But it's good to be clear. Uh, In fact, I think the first decision I made about salaries was on student workers. So uh, I met with a group of advisors. Actually, I met with some students who told me that they were getting paid uh, $10 an hour for doing some, some work, They're peer mentors. And they say, well, I could make a lot more money if I went out to the mall and worked out there. And so I went and talked to their supervisors, and they said, "Yeah, they could." So, uh, so I said, "Well, let's give them a 10% raise," which sounds like a lot, but it's only one dollar. <laughs> if you're making ten dollars an hour, now you're now you're eleven. Now our goal might be to be fifteen dollars an hour. And I and the story you referenced today, they're talking about they've got folks making seven twenty six an hour mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have anybody making seven twenty six an hour here. But um, but the very first. Uh, you know, raise program I approved was for student workers to go from 10 to $11. That's, again, 10% raise. Um, and uh, the next big chunk we did was for advisors, and then the next big chunk was for graduate students to provide uh, increased stipends for, for doctoral students first. Uh, and then the next question is, uh, can we provide uh, greater opportunities for insurance for our graduate students? Um, this is, again, across the country. Every university I've been at, graduate students have been concerned about the cost of insurance for them. They can get uh, subsidized health insurance, but it's not that great. They can be on their parents' health insurance for a while, but their parents not, they might not have great health insurance, and so that's something else they want as well. It's not free; we have to. It costs us something to do that. But we're looking at all those ways we can affect our student workers or our part-time employees as well, because uh, a lot of our part-time employees aren't students; they're just part-time employees, and want to make sure that they are treated uh, with the same kind of respect that we want to treat all of our employees. and And the the respect. Is measured in some way how you treat people. It's also measured in what, what the, what the remuneration is, mm-hmm. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the pay you get for doing the work. And and if you, know, you can, you can love up on someone who's doing a great job. But if you're not paying them well, that's that's the other side of the coin. Pardon the pun. Mm-hmm.
0: That,
1: but talking about coin. But uh, we want to not just we we want to we don't want to just respect and appreciate what people are doing we also want to give them something of value that makes their life better
0: right and again you know with the cost of living rising yeah. for everybody yeah. you know, it's just it gets harder to to even just you know it live is. here
1: it's really hard it's yeah. really hard and I think that um I, it's again it's not just Texas State but we have the responsibility to to help the people who work at Texas State that's my job I can't I can't reflect and say, hey, everyone's in the same problem. i got to come up with a solution. Yeah. And the solution I have is to try to get more money from the state and also to bring more students here, especially online and international. I think it's a huge opportunity for us there. Um, because I think that uh, those are markets we haven't gone into very broadly. I think people would be very attracted to our brand. You see that you know, 39,000 students are applying here as undergraduates. Uh, we haven't even really gone after international students the way we could, um, and we are. I think we have three, a uh, 300% increase in the number of international students for this uh, this coming fall, which is great. So that's that's basically tripling the number of international students. We haven't even really dived into that yet. That's another vice president job that we have, the mm-hmm. vice president of international or global education and online. That person's job will be all about trying to increase access to a college degree partly because we believe in the value of what we're providing for students who are place-bound, type-bound. They may not be able to come here or they can't get away, they've got a job or whatever, but also recognizing that uh, in addition to providing access to a, to a four-year degree or a master's degree or a PhD online or through other, some other mechanism, uh, it also affects our bottom line and helps us do things we want to do here that we want desperately to do.
0: Kelly. Thanks as always. Thanks, Jill. You've been listening to States Up, KTSW's monthly one-on-one with Texas State President Kelly Dampus. You can find this episode on the KTSW blog at ktswblog.net. I'm your host, Jill Amon. Thanks again for joining us.